Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 28. We're going to be joining you every week to talk IT career, news, and opinions based on our points of view. I'm your host, John White, at VJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? It's going great, John. I've consumed large amounts of coffee, as usual, to do the podcast. And I want to make sure our listeners know that we are a couple VMware solution engineers looking to bring them the career advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. We hope our career discussions will be relevant across disciplines and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Great, Nick. Hey, how's your week been? Uh, I know you were under the weather a bit. You know, I feel more human every day, and my my mind seems to work a little bit better. I'm definitely, I'm definitely getting over it. <clears throat> Hopefully, at some point in the next several days, I'll be back, be able to go back to my exercise class and get back to working out. At the moment, I'm just losing muscle mass by the minute. Oof. That's uh, it's always rough to to lose a uh, hard earned uh, fitness. Um, I uh, I know exactly what what that feels like. Um, but, but you know, the opposite of fitness is what happens on Valentine's Day when people eat a lot of chocolate and such. That's kind of close to the time I got sick. How uh, how was Valentine's Day for you? Did you do anything special for that special someone in your life? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. That's the sh- that's the short answer. We did we did get each other gifts. Um, it didn't have anything to do with chocolate or flowers. My wife got me a Soda Stream um, because I've been trying to get off of uh, um, Diet Dr Pepper and into just like lightly flavored waters. So I was buying a couple cases of uh, flavored uh, seltzer from. Uh, Costco and a couple of cases from the local grocery store. And she was like, well, if you're going to do that, why don't we get the soda stream? And it's been amazing. Um, so uh, this is the John White endorsement for the soda stream. And uh, let me see, what did I get? Oh, yes, the sugar-free peach syrup from Tarani. Um, so Nice. I look forward to reading the review on Amazon. Do you want to put the link to that in the show notes as well? Absolutely. I'll give you a preview right now. Um, you know, normally when I drink a uh, soda water, it's really just for my thirst and to get a little bit of sweetness. Um, but this, this uh, flavored seltzer water actually uh, grew me three inches taller. Um, I okay, so I, I can't maintain that on the fly. Uh, I, I probably need to take an improv comedy class or something. But. Uh, there's an entire genre of ridiculous uh, Amazon reviews where, um, I, let me see, is like three howling wolves T-shirt. I think that's that's the classic one, right? Um, if Man, you, I'm pretty sure that you would be good to go on any topic for five to ten minutes. Somebody out there, tweet a random topic to add in our journey. We'll get John to just talk about it. I'll throw it at him out of the blue. Do it on the air. Do it live. Do it I live. Think we, I think we had topics, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. So let's, our just, let's ride the soda stream into the topics, huh? <laughs> um, I, I do want to mention that I got my wife a like a really um, shaggy blanket. Um, 
because it's super super cold here in the Bay Area in uh, January, February. Um, she loved it, and uh, apparently she still loves me. So I'm very happy about that. But you're right. Topics. Um, the topic this week is asking for more money. Um, there's two different scenarios that we're going to be talking about, asking for a raise. Um, and then secondly, asking for more money when you're negotiating a new hire uh, situation. So um, you're about to be hired, they're making you an offer, and you actually want more money than what they're offering. So uh, with that in mind, let's dive into it. Situation one, asking for a raise. We, uh, in preparation for this, read this article from you know, shocker of shockers, uh, the career blog at Washington Post. Um, so this automatically is a career clickbait episode. Um, so one of the things, you know, references that we used was Washington Post uh, jobs as four tips for snagging more than a cost of raised living. Uh, nope. Nope. That's not it. Four tips for snagging more than a cost of living raise. Yeah, that sounds right. I don't know All what right. a cost of raised living is, but it sounds fun. Yeah, that's staying in. We're not editing that out. So um, they offer uh, a number of of, uh, of of pieces of advice. Um, we're not going to, you know, read the article out to you, but I wanted to give the highlights. Right. So four four main pieces of advice: stand up and stand out, be assertive back up your claims and prepare answers to possible questions. So mostly we wanted to, you know, react um, because that's the genre of podcast we are now is just reactions. Um, didn't realize that was a genre. I know that's a, that's a YouTube genre, but not a podcast genre. It is now reacting to career clickbait, um, stand up and stand out. Right. So that's a, Volunteering for extra work is taking on leadership positions um, and being visible. And I, I, you know, my reaction immediately was, yes, like, unfortunately, when you want more money, generally what you have to do is do more work. There's no, hey, I'm just doing my job really, really well. And because of that, I deserve more money. It's like, you got to take on additional responsibilities and people don't really think about that. You know, you're doing the job for what you get paid now. Why do we give you more money? You know, except in like a general like competition thing, right? Oh, I could do this job somewhere else for more money. Okay. Well maybe, um, but that's not a good reason for you to get more money here. Right. So in general, what you want to do is do what that next level pay band in the organization uh, does, right? So if you are, you know, level X, what is level X plus one supposed to do? Are they supposed to be more senior? Are they supposed to have more expertise? Are they supposed to lead more, um, you know, influence within the company? Whatever that is, um, start doing that. Start taking that on. And as a result, you know, you can articulate later on that yes, this next band and this level, next level of responsibility, I'm already doing that. So that means I deserve the money, right? I don't know if that makes sense to you. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, it definitely does. But I, I thought of a question here, John. Is sure. there a good way for me to ask my manager 
whether during the interview process or beyond about whether these pay bands even exist at the company I'm going to, because it, it doesn't sound like a lot of companies might have that. That's just my opinion. Oh yeah. Right. So I think that's an important thing that we can, um, you know, think about while we're interviewing, like, is there, is there a career path within the organization beyond just this job? And maybe it's just the job title, right? Is there a senior version, super senior, ultra senior, um, mega senior, um, you know, whatever that progression is, um, that they have defined and do they have additional, um, descriptions for the, that job or areas of expertise or responsibility or, or additional things that, you know, each of those, you know, more senior versions of that job title, um, are supposed to take on. And as a result, you know, you have a map of where you're moving towards, even if you don't uh, necessarily qualify for whatever reason for that next senior title, maybe what you're doing is moving towards that. And so at the very least you qualify for more money within the uh, title band that you currently are in. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. Good stuff. Thank you. Cool. Um, one of the things I really wanted to note was that you have to balance um, taking on additional job responsibilities against uh, being exploited, right? Like what, you and maybe that's like an extreme word to use in that situation, but you don't want to do um, more work and have that be the baseline for your expectations, right? So if you spend, you know, nine months of the year working at what your, you know, perception of what that next level of job responsibility is, and then you get a cost of living raise or, or even nothing, you know, then you're going to feel resentful. So, you need to make sure, you know, a couple things. Um, the work, the an additional stuff that you're taking on, it has to matter to your management team, right? So it has to be something that's important to your immediate manager. And then maybe you need to figure out if it matters to your manager's manager, right? So that entire chain of management, because, you know, when your manager says, hey, um, Joe deserves more money, uh, then I can actually really offer, um, I need to go to, uh, my director and, and, you know, justify that, you know, or raises above a certain amount need to, to get, you know, approved on that management chain. So you need to have the additional things that you're taking on matter up that chain. I hope that makes sense. It definitely does. And I think, you know, to that point, you have to have some understanding of, uh, of how the managers think and frame success for the organization and themselves, how to speak their language, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, that uh, is the type of thing that you need to have like an open dialogue with your, your management team about, right? So, you have to be open about what your aspirations are. Listen, um, I, I really like doing my job. I want to do really well at it. I want to do more. My aspiration is to be, you know, even better at it, um, more valuable to the company. And as a result, you know, probably more highly compensated. Here's 
um, kind of the roadmap that I had envisioned, but, you know, I want to take on additional responsibilities as long as it doesn't compromise, you know, my core job function. But, you know, when I take on additional things, I need to understand, like, what's actually important to you? What's going to make your life as, you know, the manager of the team easier? Um, what's going to be most impactful to you? Um, and, and just open up that dialogue. Um, I think one of the things that's usually pretty important is to have measurable accomplishments, you know, so either you do something that has like a very specific impact, like productivity impact, a quality of service impact, risk lowering impact, revenue increasing impact, some measure um, of that accomplishment. So you can say, you know, after, you know, on a monthly basis, hey, I'm doing this project that you assigned me, you know, on top of my base responsibilities, here's what the impact is. Um, so far, here's where we are in the process. So you just kind of roll that forward, you know, and and have that be part of your ongoing career discussion with your manager. Um, so yeah, like that measurability. And then I think the thing that I touched on there is soliciting feedback on tracking towards that, that uh, review and raise period, right? These are the projects I'm on. I've already told you, you know, my aspiration is to, you know, take the next step forward in seniority. Um, what's your feeling about the things that I'm doing to track towards that um, in that in our next review period? Um, so that's kind of my reaction to that stand up and stand out is to not just to have be have it be, you know, hey, just take on stuff. Like I, I have a very specific um, reason that I'm I'm uh, mentioning that, and and that's that I kind of took on responsibility and uh, and tasks at a previous job, and then when I you know maybe like a year later, when I was talking to a manager about um, taking the next step forward to get you know a bump in seniority, like his vision of what I was doing had was not impacted by that additional um, responsibility and and tasks that I was taking on at all. Right. So I've been doing it, you know, very um, religiously, you know, for like weekly, biweekly. Um, it made him look and feel bad if I didn't do it correctly. Right. Um, but he didn't view it as important to taking a step forward in seniority. So I had taken on this additional stuff and it had no positive impact. So it's very important for you to make sure that you're aligned with the things that you're taking on. Right. If it's not going to help you, then it's just extra work. Um, uh, you know, maybe it's nice to do that to help people and, and help out the team. But, you know, if, if it's only downside, right, if you um, mess it up um, and you can get, you know, viewed on, uh, viewed as uh, not doing your job by not doing it correctly, then, you know, that's not good. There's no upside, only downside. Sure. And it seems like, you know, when you're adding responsibility, yes, we can automate tasks and things like that. But in my mind, no matter how you slice it, the more responsibility you add, I think you're adding time commitment to. And I think that's the negative downside that people see when they hear the term, oh, I have to take on more responsibility to, to get this. And then maybe they don't want to. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, that's totally legitimate, right? I don't want to do more. Um, but then you have to question, you know, if you are asking for more money than just cost of living increase in my area, 
why is it you you're doing your job and you're doing it well well that is what your base pay is for right not for and if you're asking for more money it's it can't be for well i'm doing my job really well you have to be asking for more money because you've been doing more than your job really well right. so the path from good to great actually takes more work than people think yeah absolutely and and more money is part of that right so um i think that taking on more responsibility is daunting you know so think about that when you're thinking about what you want um i i should point out another thing another part of this is that it it takes planning you can't do this you know two weeks before the review period starts you have to do this a year before the review period starts nine months before you know it needs to be part of an ongoing conversation that you're having with your management team and something that they're aware of right so um i just wanted to point that out it's not it's not something you know this is not a tactic that you use um in your negotiation for more money for asking for a raise this is part of a strategic vision that you have for your career um that starts well before you you have that um that review period and raise period so hopefully that makes sense second point was to be assertive i think their point here in the article was you know some managers will only give higher raises when it's asked for like my view on that is well okay so in our one-on-ones we're going to have um you know open and candid discussions about what it is that we want you know um this is kind of my hope over my medium term version of this career i want to have you know more responsibility i want to you know take you know achieve higher titles i want to increase my compensation um like all of that needs to you know is i think totally legitimate to be out in the open uh, it doesn't need to be yeah, every week you're talking about how you know that you want more money it just needs to be like a you know a candid part of your goal setting for the year and something you revisit i don't know once a month um so you know when it says like some managers will only give higher raises when it's asked for like i that that's kind of uh not good in in my mind like you know if somebody deserves the raise um you know they've been communicating they've done everything except ask for it like it it doesn't make sense to 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 not give the money when they're you know clearly deserving so um i don't know that this is like a huge big point but uh i think that you know it might be a sign of uh an unhealthy management culture if the manager gets tries to get away with giving you the minimum that you deserve um and you you have to do everything including asking for more money in order to get it doesn't make sense to me but um there it is third point back up your claims right so this is really important um we already talked about doing measurable things so you need to document it over time um you know you have this uh, measurable goal you know a, a project that you're trying to accomplish um something that needs to be delivered um, a presentation that needs to be done to a specific group you know whatever it is make it measurable and then make sure that your performance on that measurable thing is tracked and documented 
And so you report back, you know, again, in, in the feedback, um, in your, your weekly one-on-one, you know, again, it doesn't need to be every single week. Hey, you assigned me that thing. I did it. Hey, you assigned me that thing. I did it. It's, you know, kind of a, a monthly check-in. Hey, I know that, you know, we were talking about my goal of, you know, achieving, you know, senior IT poobah, whatever the title is. Um, by my estimation, you know, the additional projects that I took on were this, this, and this. You know, we brought this in here. We brought this in here. Um, you know, we achieved this with this. Is that, you know, if I'm documented, would that be a reasonable thing to document um, for our later discussion during review period? Um, and get their feedback there. So, you know, back up your claims. And I'm not talking about just in that discussion or in that review discussion. It always makes sense to have everything that you do kind of documented, like much, much earlier on. Weekly one-on-ones, you know, um, maybe monthly in those weekly meetings um, instead of in every single one of those meetings. But then when you go, if there's like a formal review m- meeting or whatever, you know, process your organization uses, um, it should almost be not a surprise, right? We've already talked about this 12 times at least over the course of the year, all the extra things that you've been doing, your specific goal of achieving this next higher level. We've already documented it. And really in this review period, we're just kind of sitting here acknowledging that we've already done this work. This is something that I actually pulled from uh, um manager tools in their career section. So I um, want to give them full credit. But it, you know, it's just a valuable uh, framework to have. Your manager knows what you're trying to do. Um, you've documented it together over the course of the year. When the review period comes, it's just an acknowledgement. Sure. I actually think this is where the well-intended folks make their mistakes. Maybe we do track our performance, but... I don't see a lot of people remembering to tie it to measurable things and tracking it with your manager on a semi-regular basis so that it's not just a one-time conversation and then six months later, what? We talked about that six months ago and you never brought it up again. So Right, right. I, that's really good, John. Good advice. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, this idea of like documenting and being able to back up your claims and, and, you know, say why you deserve things is terrific. I just think that, you know, the added idea of doing it regularly and having regular check-ins so that, you, you know, you can say, well, here's the 12 meetings that we talked about it and what I said then and what your response was. Um, you know, even if you have, I don't know if you have a check-in form on in those meetings or if you just keep it in your notes so that you can at least, you know, say, Hey, this is when we talked about it. And then that person goes, Oh yeah, that is when we talked about it. And yeah, that is the additional stuff that, you know, I assigned to you and yeah, we did have these discussions. That's right. And you know, it's, it's just helps. Right. And then maybe if they haven't taken those things into account, you know, coming into the review meeting or, or whatever your process is, then you know, they can feel justified in going back and saying, you know what, I made a mistake in, in reviewing uh, Jane's performance over this past year. Um, I had forgotten that I, you know, had these like uh, these counseling and mentoring meetings where I said, hey, Jane, why don't you take on this additional responsibility? She immediately, you know, accomplished those things, check back in with me. We had those reviews and, and somehow just all of that slipped my mind. She reminded me that we had actually checked in, you know, multiple times over the past year. 
And, and really, you know, this was a mistake for me not to include it in my evaluation. Um, so that's kind of, you know, my thought on that. It's not just back it up like, you know, once a year, it's, you know, constant check-in. So let's move on to this fourth point, which is prepare answers to possible questions. Um, and I think in my mind, you know, it's, it's difficult to debate with yourself, right? Well, why, why, we don't think that you deserve it. Well, I think I do deserve it because of X, Y, Z. I mean, all of those, you know, having pre-prepared um, things, again, going back to backing up your claims, you know, having started out, you know, your year or, or goal setting session with your uh, manager. So it's, it's a mutual process. I think that mitigates all of this, right? Um, if you go into the period and, and say, they say, Hey, you, you know, we just don't see you as having deserved that. But that's at the end of a year long process where you and your manager set out to, you know, have like a career goals setting process. You were clear about what it is that you wanted to achieve. You were assigned tasks, you, you know, brainstormed together for additional things that you could do to justify, you know, um, the bump in seniority or to go up in a pay grade or, or whatever it was, you know, for you to achieve the goal. It was measurable. Um, you measured it, you confirmed it together. And then at the end of the period, they say, oh, we don't think you deserved it. Well, now you're in a situation where, you know, either, you know, something's gone horribly wrong or you're being jerked around and it's a reason to leave the organization, right? If, if you set goals, clear goals and had clear communication the entire time period, the, you know, the year, and then at the very end, they say, no, this, none of this has anything to do with getting a raise or, or a promotion or whatever it is your goal was, then um, you have an indication that you uh, work for an unhealthy company or one that has an unhealthy promotion process, which, uh, you know, is a horrible red flag, right? Run away, run away. <laughs> right. So again, if you've documented it, you've ha you have it ready, all the things that you've been asked to accomplish, you know, the additional work that you took on, how it was measurable, the fact that you measured it, the fact that you checked back in with your manager, documenting when you checked back in and the feedback you got on it. Um, and then you uh, um, have it, right? And it's, it's all ready to go. And really, again, in your mind, and, you know, even leading into this meeting in the one-on-one, -on -one, you can just say, hey, you know, before we actually do this one-on-one, -on -one, which is coming up in the next, you know, three weeks or whatever, I just wanted to go over, you know, the things that we've talked about over the last year, um, just so none of this is a surprise to me. Uh, this is my thinking. You know, we had talked about goal setting. We had talked about documenting things. This is what, you know, the goals that I set, the additional things that we brainstormed for me to do and how I accomplished them. It, it, am I off base? Am I on base? Um, you know, so then there's no excuse for the manager, you know, as to, you know, previous points to say, oh, I just didn't remember, right? Like, so you have a pre-meeting meeting so that they're armed with writing that review about, you know, all the things that you um, were asked to do, that you volunteered to do, how they were aligned with organizational goals, and the fact that you actually did them and got, you know, positive feedback on those tasks. So then there's no excuse, right? Absolutely. I think uh, one of the points that they make is, you know, hey, there's no money in the budget for raises this year or, you know, nobody's 
you know, we haven't been able to do anything. I think you probably, one of the things that you need to be able to measure over the course of your task is money that you save the organization or additional revenue that occurred because of the things that you did. So if you can document those things and say, you know, um, it, it feels odd that I was able to save the organization a hundred thousand dollars, but we don't in our budget don't have a raise of even five thousand dollars for me, you know, um, or you know I brought in five million dollars of additional revenue, but there's no money in the budget for me to have a raise above, you know, one and a half percent, you know it it's it's awkward for them to sit there and say that. And you don't want to have that response in the meeting. You want to have that response in the pre-meeting meeting, right? You wanted to be able to say things like, hey, this is the money savings that I brought to the organization. Here's the additional revenue that I brought into the organization because of the, you know, this collaborative process that that you and I went through for me to you know, achieve this higher level of seniority, higher higher level of compensation. I just wanted to make sure that we're on the same page about that, right? And then when they sit, if they, sit, <laughs> it's much much harder for them to sit down and in that meeting and say, "There's no money for raises," um, or you know, raises above this level. And again, if they do, you know that you're in a problematic situation. So. And you've already documented all of the things you've done that are extra, so you pretty much written the edits to your resume already. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So this documentation serves, you know, double purpose. Right. So you say, here's here's my baseline responsibilities in my job description. Here's the, the things that I've done above and beyond. Here's how they impacted the organization. Additional revenue brought in, you know, cost savings that that we achieved because of my project. Um you know, risks are reduced, quality of service increased, you know, all measurable, right? And then if, you know, if that's not a reason for you to get your raise, then it's a reason for you to get a great job at the next organization that recognizes what a great job you did, right? So um, one of the things that I think that maybe we need to keep in mind and hopefully, you know, this is a reasonable transition is one of the more important times to negotiate, you know, your higher salary is when you're being hired, right? When you're negotiating like 3%, 5%, you know, 15%, 20% raises above what you're making now, all of that is predicated upon the salary that you came into the organization. at. So it goes to, you know, it just makes sense that one of the more important salary negotiations you have is that entry salary when you're being hired into the organization. So that's our second topic, negotiating a starting salary. Um, this, you know, one of the resources that we used and that we're reacting to is a, another career blogs article from the Washington Post. So this is double career clickbait. How much starting salary negotiation is too much? And again, we will post the link to that article. Um, they have, uh, a few pieces of advice here. Um, first of all, respect the line. That is when they say, Hey, this is kind of the max. You still need to respect that set a target range. Um, do your research, 
weigh salary against benefits and do not anticipate a fixed number of negotiation rounds. So let's uh, go over those one by one. Respect the line. Again, what that means is, you know, at some point in time, they're going to say, listen, we really cannot offer you more than this amount of money. This is kind of our limit. So you need to respect that. Um, Now, you know, one of the things that you need to know is, you know, the minimum that you need to make to, in order to take the job. Um, We already notated, noted uh, earlier that, you know, the most important salary, one of the more important salary negotiations you have is entering into the organization. So as a result, you know, you need to understand and, you know, respect when they say, this is our max. We, we would have to walk away if, if your requirements were above this number. Um, uh, but, you know, don't use that as a magic king's axe, right? You, you want to be in a situation where if that number just doesn't make any sense, um, then you literally do walk away from the position because you can't afford to take that position at that number. Um, so uh, something to keep in line there. I think it goes into the second point, set a target range. The point here is not um, that you need to set a target. The point is that your target should be a range of numbers. It's between this and this. This is the absolute minimum that I would need to take this job. Here's kind of the upper bounds of what I think is reasonable to be offered to do this job. You know, it's my my super hopeful number, right? I couldn't possibly do this job for less than $70,000 a year. I really, really, it really would be terrific if I was making 98, you know, something along those lines. Um, so have that be a range, have it, you know, make sense uh, what that range is. And that kind of uh, dovetails into the third point, do your research. Um, you need to, um, of course, do the research of what's typically made for this job, but uh you know, you need to be able to talk about your experience, your education, success stories that you've had that are especially relevant to the position that would, you know, bring uh, something extra and special, which would make you, uh, you know, valuable at the higher end of your range as opposed to the lower end of your range. So, you know, <laughs> that being said, you also need to understand what that range is, right? Um, going into the job, you certainly don't want to lowball yourself. If the, the, market rate is, you know, at a job is, you know, a hundred to $120,000, you know, really nice job. Um, in most parts of the country, you know, you certainly don't want to walk in saying, listen, I couldn't take it for less than 70. And I certainly it sure would be nice to make 95. Um, if you just do a minimum amount of research in, you know, using like glassdoor.com, um, Maybe doing a little bit more reaching out to contacts you might have inside the company, uh, examining cost of living in the area so you actually know what your minimum is. Like, what if you have to move to a location and the cost of living is much, much higher? I'm a Bay Area resident now. I used to live in Southern California. So, you know, there's a big shock and change to the cost of living. It's much higher. Um, so that's relevant to me. <laughs> uh, you know, all those things need to go into um, your research so that you have an idea of what the actual, um, reasonable band of salary is. You should know probably the lower band of what they can offer you and what the upper, upper band that they can offer you too. So, um, you know, if you, if you have that idea, um, and you know what your range is, you know, those two things really, really go together. 
I would argue to that point that you should probably have some kind of pay band or pay range discussion with the recruiter in those early interview conversations. And I remember one of the Geek Whisperers podcast with Liz Bronson saying, hey, tell me what it is you want so I can tell you if I can actually get it for you. So if you you need to give that range to the recruiter to see if it's if it's a match for them to to meet that range. And and hopefully, you know, that'll dispel some of the negotiating, but at least it would tell tell you and them, oh, okay, that's not a possibility at all. Right. And eliminate and some of the back and forth. I, I would say that absolutely makes sense. Um you know, and and maybe you can have an agreement with the recruiter. You can say, listen, um, would it be fair if you gave me the the salary band for the position and I gave you my salary, you know, requirements band so that we're, we're both on the same page. Right. And, um, and in, in that, uh, way we're having an open discussion about the possibilities. Like I, you know, um, I'm probably going to give you a band of numbers, some of which are below your minimum and some of which are above your maximum. And, and you need to tell me like what's reasonable. Like I'll I'll have an idea of what I think I should, probably should be accomplishing at the maximum, and what you know I'd be accomplishing at the minimum. So you know, depending on you know the the ultimate job responsibilities, I'll probably want you know be biased towards more or less, right? And and you can say the same thing, right? Listen for you know this upper part of the band we would be expecting somebody who's already done the job with you know 3 or 4 years of experience to walk in the door and get it um you know in this lower band we're taking a risk at some with somebody um you know who has less experience but you know could potentially do do the job you know so if you're having that open discussion i, I mean i really like what you're saying yeah um have that discussion early because listen what if what if you are you know you can't take the job for less a certain amount of money that they there's no way that they could offer you that you know that salary then why go through you know a protracted uh, discussion and dance and interviews and demonstrations and you know uh public discussions and then you know suddenly at the end of the process find out that you're way too far apart for any of that work to have been done right you want to get that out of the way early absolutely don't waste people's time now speaking of that john uh, since we're talking about the range here do you find that most of the negotiating of the range is going to be with the recruiter the hiring manager or both of them near the end of the process i feel like it's recruiter heavy at the beginning but toward the end, I'm I'm not sure there's a standard necessarily. Yeah, I think it there's there's two different situations that I can think of. One is if you are uh, dealing directly with an organization, you know, and maybe they have their internal recruiters who reach out to you. Um, in that situation, I think salary negotiations again. I think map exactly to what you said. Earlier on, it's like a qualification process from the recruiter. They're looking for someone who actually does fit their range um, and their requirements. So if they have somebody that, you know, they like and they want to present, um, then, you know, 
they're qualifying you. And so early on, it's with that person. And then later on, as you get towards a real offer, it's probably going to be the hiring manager or, you know, the recruiter as an agent of the hiring manager. You know, you have like an informal discussion with the hiring manager and then the recruiter like makes a formal offer, you know, something along those lines. You know, maybe it comes directly from the hiring manager. That's maybe less important. The, the other situation that I can think of is when there's a third party recruiting company. Right. So that is um, the company doesn't have, you know, either their internal people couldn't fill the, the position and they're, they're going to an external company or they don't have any internal expertise and they haven't built that up. They just, you know, exclusively do their placement of, you know, certain types of positions through outside companies. Right. So in that situation, that recruiter is an agent and they're, it's almost like a real estate agent who's working both sides, right? Um, their interest is in placing somebody because they're making their money um, as some multiple of the first year's income of the person um, who's being placed. Either they make you know two two times your first year income or one time your first year income, one and a half. You know, I, I don't actually know that industry that well, so I, I'm I'm not familiar with the multiple. So their interest is in placing somebody first and foremost. Second level of interest is for that person to be placed at the highest salary possible because that, you know, their multiple might be fixed, but now they're actually helping negotiate, you know, the highest salary possible to maximize their compensation. So they're presenting somebody who's perfect for the job, who can make the upper levels of their pay band and they make more money. So, um, you know, at that same time, like you don't know what that compensation you know looks like for that person so you don't want to just like come flat out and say well listen the minimum that i would take is this much and but really what i'm hoping for for what they described is here because you know maybe they're juggling like 15 different placements with this company and you know if they can just get one off the table and get paid on it like that's better than trying to maximize you know spending you know two extra weeks to you know to maximize um, that pay. So, uh, something to keep in mind there. Um, always important to know with the various people and their, uh, their incentives and whether or not they're aligned with you. That was a really long winded answer. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. No, it's a great answer. Uh, also in the podcast I mentioned with Liz Bronson, I believe she talks about the different types of recruiters and how they get compensated and, that some of them may or may not tell you how they get compensated when you work with them. <laughs> right. But it'd be right. fun if you knew that would at least yeah. tell you how it's going to work to some extent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that I'm not sure about how fair it is for you to ask. I would say that if you work with an independent recruiter, that is that your relationship is with a recruiter over the medium to long term. That is this person you you're thinking that you want to have a five to 10 year relationship with this recruiter. You want them to help you manage your career, you know, every four or five years, if you are getting restless and you know, you've seen yourself top out at this organization, they're going to help you find another placement. Or if you're in the startup world and you know, startups are failing a lot and they, know about a lot of different um, organizations for you to, to jump to if, you know, after two years, this, this business is not working out, um, then, you know, you need to have an intimate knowledge of their compensation structure, right? How they get compensated by the companies that they work with 
to place you at. That's very, very important. Absolutely. In that case, you know, they're your agent, right? Not, and theoretically, you know, it's it's based on the relationship with you, not based on short-term relationships with other companies. So something to keep in mind. Um, one thing that I did want to, oh yeah. So, um, I, I would say this, um, especially as you get to like, if you're negotiating towards the upper bounds of what, you know, the, the company can actually offer you, um, you want to be sensitive to your, this potential hiring managers use of their political capital within the organization to get you compensated. If they have to go and um, use a bunch of political capital to get, you know, to max out your compensation coming in, that has to be for a really good reason. Either you are, you know, the perfect candidate, you know, the their dream candidate, you know, that actually meets everything that was in the job description, even though the job description was for like one or two levels higher than the than they actually plan to compensate somebody for and and you meet that and ooh, you know, now we need to go and, you know, you are perfect. You know, you already have relationships with all the types of people that we need to, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you know, don't you shouldn't ask them to burn that political capital and goodwill within the organization for you unless there's a really good reason to max out you know it shouldn't just be about ego right it should be about your requirements and your needs in this specific uh case um you know if it makes if okay so i have a personal anecdote here um i think when i came to this company they had advertised like a a, a systems engineer position. Um, and I think that they just didn't have the budget to have a senior systems engineer. So, um, you know, whatever the salary band was for that, like it just didn't make sense for me to take the position. Right. And I said, you know, I would actually be taking a pay cut in order to, to join the organization. And so, you know, I actually, I think the hiring manager had to go to his director and say, listen, you know, John's right. It doesn't make sense. Like we're never going to get anybody here unless, you know, um, we up, up what, you know, he's asking what we're, what we're offering. And so, you know, I wouldn't, I didn't make him go back twice or three times. You know, I said, here's, you know, honestly, like you, here's my W2. <laughs> here's what I made. Here's what the cost of living difference is. You know, you're just, I, I, it doesn't make sense for me to take this job. And, uh, and candidly, I don't think that you're going to be able to find anybody to take the job if this is what you're offering. And, you know, so in order for him to go to his boss and get more money, like he was, you know, he was using up some political capital and goodwill to have that discussion. So I, I just don't think that it makes sense to do that for ego. It has to be driven by something specific, right? You don't want them to, Think of you as having, you know, oh, that's the person who I have to burn like goodwill with, with my, you know, all the relationships that I have within the organization in order to get them compensated every single time. I mean, you also don't want to have like suck, suck up like all the raise um, budget that they have planned for this year too. So like maybe you're sure you're coming in at this, this amount of money, but you're not going to get a raise for two years or three years. You don't want to be in that position either. So, um, a couple different things to think about there. 
you you really you know it's it's a delicate balance and you have to understand what's going on within the organization and you know really understand what your needs are going in so got sidetracked there a little bit um fourth point weigh salary against benefits know what the benefits are of the organization like maybe they can't offer you more salary but maybe there are things that you could negotiate outside of salary if if that's where they're at they're like oof you know we just don't have more budget for this um but maybe there's things that you could negotiate for example you know maybe most first year employees get you know three weeks of vacation and then you get added you know every year that you work there you get another week of vacation well you you maybe they could offer you four weeks or five weeks or six weeks of vacation, you know, as you're coming in because of your seniority and the fact that they couldn't offer you more money, you know, is that something that's um, attractive to you? Right. Um, because if you're not going to use that vacation, actually, then, you know, it's just more money. Um, so something to think about and, and, you know, weigh um, your costs, and what your requirements are, maybe they have a lower cost, higher quality healthcare plan than you currently have, which means that you are going to get an effective raise because of the drop in your costs of healthcare going to the organization. So that might change your compensation and requirements, right? Oh, I'm actually, you know, going to be, you know, you know, my out-of-pocket healthcare costs are going to be lower because of this amazing plan that they have negotiated. It, you know, there's another thing. What if you're actually moving to a, a lower cost of living location for the job, right? Rather than a higher cost of living location. You know, it's it's that magical uh, magical thing that happens to people that I've never heard of. Um, then you know you're getting an effective pay raise, right? But because you're you're getting money. And, you know, maybe your housing costs or food costs or transportation costs are going down. So you're effectively getting more compensation. Last point here, do not anticipate a fixed number of rounds. So that's like the negotiation rounds. You know, typically you might think about it as being like a, like a used car, like a negotiation where they give you like a low ball price and you give them a high ball price. And then, you know, over a certain number of rounds, um, you come to an equilibrium, you know, like if you have done your research, um, you think that you're justified in asking for a high, higher end part of the salary band and they just agree with you. That's, that's it. Right. <laughs> so it's like, listen, like, you know, we've all talked about it. Like your bands are, you know, 85 to $95,000. I think that I'm worth a $95,000 because of this specific experience. And they say, you know, it's, it's difficult. Um, you know, we were hoping to come in a little bit below that, but we think that you, that you're right. And, and we agree with you. Okay. That's the end of it, right? You asked for the higher end and you got it. And that doesn't mean that you, deserved more. It doesn't mean that they were actually able to offer more, right? You all kind of started from a position where you were open about salary bands. You were open about your, um, bands of expectation and you came together, you made it, made a pitch and they accepted it. That doesn't mean, you know, that you got uh, cheated. It means that they're paying you the upper end of, uh, what they were expecting to pay, but for good reason. 
right? It doesn't mean that they should come back to you and say, well, what about, you know, 92? And then you say, no, I'm firm on 95. And they say, well, what about 93? And you say, no, I'm firm. And then they give in. Like, is, is that better? No. <laughs> like, you asked for it and you got it. Um, so don't don't presume, like, you know, that it's, that it's, um, the, it's the negotiation has to happen like that, right? And don't presume if they make you an offer that it's a lowball offer, right? Um, maybe if they come and, you know, kind of your, your, your bands, you know, your understanding of the bands was like 85 to 95 and you made a pitch for 95 and they say, you know, Hey, um, we appreciate it. And, and maybe there's something that you don't know, which is, you know, we're moving you to a lower cost of living area. We, we don't know if you're aware of that. Um, but we actually think that you're so valuable that we don't want to compete with anybody else. You know, we think that you're in a high demand position. We want to offer you 98 or we want to offer you 95 and we want to give you a $5,000 signing bonus, right? You know, that doesn't mean that that offer was a low ball offer, right? That doesn't mean that they would have gone to 105, <laughs> right? Sometimes they just, you know, people recognize quality people. Um, hopefully you've done the work that we've talked about to, you know, in the past to demonstrate that you're a person of value, documented all those things. You know, you have a great resume. You know, it can happen like that. You know, don't don't think that it can't. So don't, don't. sure. Uh, sorry, I cut you off there. Now, how many times have you had to negotiate for a salary, John? If you don't mind me asking, because I've known people who haven't ever had to do it because every time they made a move, the pay bump was substantial enough for it to be <laughs> for there to be no need to negotiate. Um, every time I've never taken a job without asking for more money. Um, and that's three jobs, the last three jobs say, you mean, you mean more than their first offer? Yes, absolutely. Okay. You know, the gotcha. first offer with X, I asked for, you know, X plus, you know, 15 to 18% for good reasons. Right. And, you know, every time, you know, I had good reasons, you know, here's, what you offered, here's why I think that I'm worth more. It's because of X, Y, Z. Um, and then I follow through, right? Because they're kind of taking a flyer. You you don't actually work for them. They haven't actually seen you do the job, you know, over anything except like the most cursory, you know, ability for them to, to watch you do the job unless you've done things like, you know, um, you know, there's a lot of video on you doing doing the job that happens to be, you know, on YouTube or social media or wherever, you know, that's just about the only time that, that they're going to actually see you do your, do the job unless you do a demo of, you know, or a dry run or, or a mock, um, version of the job. Right. So, um, I, I ask for more, I justify it and then I follow through and make them think, Oh, wow, we should have paid them more. That's awesome. Yeah. Good for you. And they have a chance to pay me more later, right? So. <laughs> Opportunity on both sides. Right, right. All right. Um, anything on this topic before we close out? You know, if you're out there looking for that next raise, maybe you need a mentor. 
And if you haven't found that mentor, there's no reason to wait any longer. Send that tweet out to Journey. Take advantage of the John White School of Mentoring today and learn from John's expert negotiation skills on how you can get that next race, pricing and packaging to come. Man, wouldn't it be great if I had a business that like I got like actually some percentage of somebody's raise if, if I help them? Uh, That'd be cool. Yeah, I guess depending on the size of the race, right? I'm willing to give you a cut of the proceeds. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I don't know exactly what that job would be. I guess agent, right? Hollywood agent. That's right. You're the agent. Agent yeah. White. Yeah. So upon uh, further review, I actually don't want that job. So no, thank you. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, um, I think that's it for that segment and uh, all the topics we have planned. Uh, anything else pop in your mind before we just close out completely? No, sir. Just a reminder that we want people to subscribe and give us a positive view on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. All right. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as that journey continues. I'm John White at V Journeyman for Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore signing off. Adios. Episode number 28. We're going to be talking uh, about stuff. This is where you say we're going to be talking about news opinions based on our point of view. Sorry, I haven't done that part before. Excuse me. (laughs) All right. Take two.